Why, hello there, loyal listeners, and welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer, joined, as always, by the incomparable Charlie Bud, and today, after a brief hiatus, we are back in full effect, talking about the dangers of streaming, or more specifically, how the creativity of the movie industry is being stifled by the advent of streaming. The decision to have this discussion actually stems from Matt Damon's recent Hot Ones interview, where he expressed that movie studios are less willing to take risks on movies due to the fact that streaming eliminates some of the revenue that would be made off of DVD sales. Definitely a hot take, and I wanted to know your initial thoughts there, Charlie. So with that, kicking it off to you, what you got? Well, Palmer, it's definitely something for the history. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was going to say for the history books. Uh, Matt Damon calling out streaming now. What, what, uh, what? <laughs> No, I mean, it's definitely like a really interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people will probably consider when they think about how streaming has affected the overall health of the film industry. You know, I think when a lot of people see streaming as a kind of like a good thing, you know, it's like, you know, it's readily available films and, you know, it's and maybe like the biggest criticism people have is that, oh, there's too many streaming platforms now. It's basically becoming cable 2.0. Um, but also at the same time, it's completely eliminated DVD sales. And obviously, like I think people realize DVDs are gone, but maybe not understand the impact that they've had on the entire film industry. And I think that is evident uh, certainly within the last like 10 years specifically on you know what movies kind of Hollywood has been making. You can maybe even argue for the last like 15 and 20 years. But what are your thoughts here? No, I'm a I'm a piggyback off of that one there, Charlie. And specifically when thinking about just I'll say DVDs as a whole first and foremost. So I'm a collector of DVDs, a curator mm-hmm. of DVDs, if you will. Every Christmas I always ask for them. And it's funny because over the years, as streaming has become more and more popular, it's clear that it's becoming harder and harder for my parents, or I mean for Santa to get uh, <laughs> the DVDs just because it's like either in some like $5 bin of forgotten DVDs or they have to go on Amazon and order it. And it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And the problem for that with me is that sometimes, you know, those the movies that I want to see are streaming. Sometimes they're not available or sometimes you have to like pay to rent. And I'm like, shoot, if I'm paying like $3.99 for it, I might as well just buy it so I can always watch it whenever I want to have it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of kills me there because I'm a movie lover. So I like owning the things that I actually like. But on the streaming side, too, if you're thinking about, like, how it's impacting just the the movie industry. So uh, I'm going to agree with Matt Damon there. And I think what it does is it inspires a lot of, um, you know, movie backers to take less risks, go with the Mm -hmm. formula, what works, what brings in money. And when we see that, we're seeing the rise of, you know, Lega sequels. We're seeing not so much one-off movies, but movie franchises that are, you know, in some regards, good. But also, in some regards, you know, not what anybody really wanted, but they'll like put up with it just because, you know, what else can you can you watch? So mm-hmm. it's honestly creating a number of problems for for me from my perspective, and I uh, I'm ready to to see it kind of pass. But thinking about some of those those franchises, are there any that come to mind that you are just like, you know, what if you just got got out of here right now, we could have some really awesome movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean honestly the biggest one is marvel um i think that is what 22 movies in like 12 years or 14 years or something i think it's more yeah i think it is more plus a plethora of 
television shows um and like you know that's only expanding uh, you know they keep adding more and more shows like they have a, disney plus is in a whole section for marvel i mean it's just a massive franchise and it also gets people into their parks people buy toys all that stuff it's just everywhere and you know that's kind of like you know the big thing and uh, i would agree going back a little bit on um your point about how yeah Hollywood is not willing to kind of like take risks anymore. And then franchising is becoming more and more prevalent because of this. I mean, like we go back to like the nineties or like the eighties. Oh, I almost knocked my water bottle off. Um, <laughs> we go back to like the nineties or eighties. There's a lot of like movies that are kind of like these giant epics, like huge, huge epics, like, uh, you know, star Wars. I mean, now it is a franchise, but like that was an original idea that like, I feel like it, it is risky, you know, this, you know, super technical, uh, visual effect film um, with a rising star. I don't know if like Harrison Ford was huge at this time or any of the actors in Star Wars were big. I think Harrison Ford kind of becomes a massive star in the 80s in Star Wars. The first one comes out in like 1978 or something. So it's like right before he's like Indiana Jones or right before he's in like Blade Runner. Um, and, you know, like it's like it's a big risk. George Lucas, you know, I... I feel like this is kind of he did like American Graffiti, I think, beforehand. And I, I feel like this is like one of his earlier films. And this guy just, you know, pulls out Star Wars. Like it's incredible that any studio even signed it and like lucky that they did because look at what it's become. And while I do think Star Wars is part of the problem in terms of like, oh, everything's like a franchise now, because Star Wars is definitely a franchise. <laughs> I mean, they just have a new like they have all these movies, I think there's a new trilogy coming out. They have like a million TV shows. Like I was literally watching Andor, which I know okay, yeah. part of the problem. Um, it's nothing game. like it's nothing like incredible television, but it is, you know, it's good. I think it's one of their better shows from the ones I've tried to watch. Um, <laughs> it's darker, and I, I kind of like that. Um, I got a little edge. Yeah, a little. It's edge funny you mentioned it. like the Star Wars thing because I, I often more than I should probably think like if i was one of the studio execs that like they pitched star wars to you i'd be like so wait wait wait, wait. what is the, the force what is this <laughs> can you see it yeah <laughs> not really but you can see what it does mm -hmm. it's like a jet jedi you said yeah see i would never go for it but they made it work i mean like I, someone out there took a risk on that project i mean i don't know how george lucas pitched it and i wish i was kind of like a fly on the wall in like in that meeting where he's pitching Star Wars to like a major studio, and being Actually, like, I think I remember, and maybe I remember this. He didn't take any pay on it. He's just like, give me all the like licensing rights, and then like the rights to the toys and everything, and you all can like do with my salary what you want. And that's how. They Wait, before it. he even made it. Yeah, he was just like, yeah, he, I think he just believed in it so much, and he's like, I'll just take that. Wow, that's uh, that's some, yeah. I mean, that's the confidence on George Lucas. That's right what there. I'm saying, right? <laughs> but like, it's just incredible to me that like a Hollywood studio even agreed to do that in the first place. Like, here's a guy who's like, I don't know, maybe early 30s at the time. I don't even know how old he was. Like, I'm gonna just quickly look up how yeah, old quick, quick Google. That's how we uh, George right? Lucas is nowadays. Um, so, okay, so 1940. Okay, so he's like 78. Um, and cool. Star Wars was 1977, so he would have been like 30, 30, he would have been yeah. 30 something, yeah. Um, so like 30 year old guy who I don't even think has had a lot of, 
previous films up until this point, and he's pitching an incredibly ambitious project called Star Wars. <laughs> and um, it does do very well. It became a cultural phenomenon, still is today. It's kind of been revived, I think, by Disney in recent years. I felt like they did the prequels in the early 2000s, and it definitely had like its following, for sure. There's a whole slew of like video games surrounding Star Wars. Everybody I grew up with loved it, and... Um, and now it's become an even bigger franchise than it ever has been. But I don't know. I feel like Hollywood wouldn't make it today. Like if Star Wars didn't exist and somebody came in and pitched that, do you think they would make it? Dude, I, the crazy thing is how hard it is for franchises like that are established that are really good that kind of have cult followings to just get back to movies. Prime example being Blade Runner. Like yeah. they almost did not make that film. And I love me some Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. It's just like, could you imagine if they hadn't made that? It's just like, it, I fear with this kind of systematic overhaul of the classical movie making process, what you're going to see is a lot of the indie-ish slash less mainstream mm-hmm. uh, movies that a lot of people really enjoy that kind of capture a sentiment or allow people to really feel something are going to be pushed to the wayside for giant explosions and just like a, a formulaic, like, oh, you'll laugh every now and then yeah. script. You even bring up a good point regarding, like, uh, indie films. Like, I think the indie film scene is really thriving right now, mostly because I think people have, like, this need, even if it is not something that they're currently aware of, of getting films that aren't, like, your Marvels, your Star Wars, or whatever other franchise is coming out or is out and they want to get a little, you know, have a little bit of a different experience. With that said, uh, even though the indie scene is thriving, um, a lot of it is kind of, you know, with few exceptions, generally just like character-driven dramas. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely love those kind of things. But they often take place in like modern day. Very few, I think, I've ever seen put you know, take that kind of template and put it into like a, a science fiction world or a fantasy world. It's usually almost always like modern day stuff dealing with uh, certain topics. Uh, I mean, I'm even thinking like recently, I mean, Coda was a very, it was like the recent best picture, which um, was a really good movie, Coda. but it's like a modern day character driven drama about like the, a non, or, or a coat, like a Coda child of uh, deaf adults. Yep. Um, you know, and the experience that they had to go through being raised by a deaf family. So, and her love for singing was a really interesting contrast. We've reviewed it on this uh, podcast. So, you should definitely check it out. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, what, like, what I think we're talking about here is how Hollywood won't take risks. Is like, there are studios that have made a name for themselves. Like, there's even like divisions of major studios that, like go out and look for like these indie films, low budget. Uh, you know, A24 has made a name for itself for being like a big indie studio powerhouse. Um, uh, Searchlight Pictures is a 20th Century's um, indie studio division. Um, then you have like Neon, which does like some wacky films as well, like really wacky. Like I feel like they do a lot of like Gaspar Nose films. Yeah, that's weird. Um, and uh. I can't remember. I'm completely blanking on like uh, other like indie studios, but they exist and like they generally have like divisions for them. And Searchlight Pictures now is owned by Disney, so Disney's like indie film section is their Searchlight Pictures. Um, so 
it's not that those because those aren't really like high risk films. They it's catering to an audience that they know exists for a low budget cost, for the most part. I mean, I can't even remember the last time there was like a truly like indie film that cost like more than fifty million dollars. <laughs> Truthfully, I think it's not even really like indie, but I think indie esque is is the Blade Runner twenty forty nine because I'm trying to think. Yeah, like- I would say that too. I mean, it's very like Blade Runner. The original one was very cult following kind of cult classic that was absolutely terrible i mean in terms of its box office performance when it came oh, out I say bro that's a great movie what are you no, no 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 i mean it's a fantastic movie absolutely excellent and the sequel is arguably as good if not better um so i mean like but that's the thing the both movies didn't do well in the box office um I think they overestimated for some reason like the cult following that Blade Runner had because I think to me Blade Runner is like yes it's probably one of the higher budget indie films because I think it kind of falls into the, like very philosophical like material that like it's it's highbrow you know it's not something that is so explicitly told to you it makes you think of questions like you know it questions like what is it to be human that's like the core themes of both films and it is very good storytelling and it doesn't like it while it explores the world in the um in the movies both films it's it's a very visual telling of the of the world it's not like doing expository like dialogue telling you what's going on and like the socioeconomics like uh or the global like political um you know crises that are happening because of this is how we've messed it up it's commentary is shown visually yeah absolutely absolutely you know what's See, we're missing we're missing out on kind of opportunities like that. I actually just looked up like without adjusting for inflation, the top um, grossing ten grossing movies of all time, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at them, and I'm pretty sure with the exception of two, all of them are in major franchises. We have mm-hmm. number one as Avatar, which was just a one movie, and now it's going to be part of what is it? They've already signed on for five, five or six movies. Five movies. Five movies. It's it's, it's new movies. franchise. Disney owns the rights because it's a Fox. It was Fox. Disney bought Fox. It was 20th Century, and now it's Disney's next uh, franchise. Yep. Because they yep. knew like it was a golden goose, and James Cameron's weird guy who like does filming for his underwater extravaganza stuff. It's uh, so he like it's not the other way around. <laughs> it's like he he uses the money that he makes for movies to do what he really likes, which is exploring the ocean. Um, so what that's what he's literally been doing for the last twelve years. The last movie he wrote and directed uh, was Avatar. He's produced a couple of things. Um, yeah. I think he also randomly directed an episode of a TV show, but because um, why not? That's fun. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> they needed some scuba equipment. They needed some scuba equipment. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'll direct a TV show episode. Yeah, fine. <laughs> guys made so much money off of one or two movies, really, Titanic and Avatar, which is number three, and that's mm-hmm. the only one that literally has no franchise nor like a predecessor, like. The other one would be Lion, the Lion King, but that's the 2019 Dude, I'm one. very confident that they tried to make a Titanic 2 after the success of James Cameron's Titanic. Bro, what would it be? Like, the iceberg strikes back? <laughs> 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 I, I don't understand how you can continue that franchise. The Titanic Dude, 2, we tried it again. <laughs> exactly. We're we built another right Titanic, time. and this time it won't hit an iceberg, but <laughs> Bro. it still finds a way to sink find out how and it's like so told and like it's like and it's told in like 
non-chronological storytelling so it's like a mystery you're trying to solve throughout the entire <laughs> film it and it's just like some stupid thing where they just built it wrong and like the fucking the boat just burst like the hull burst or something it's a breach <laughs> you should find that out at the like the end like uh yeah. citizen kane what Rosebud was <laughs> And this oh whole time you're just like wondering, like maybe it's something supernatural, maybe <laughs> like or whatever. And then it, it's just like the, it's uh, the biggest disappointment in Hollywood history. But you already paid exactly twenty really. bucks to see a three-hour movie about the Titanic too. So who really got suckered in? <laughs> Big bags. That's, that's a t- for those of you who don't remember, that's two VHS tapes <laughs> in order to capture that. Oh my gosh, dude! But yeah, um, and also like. And I, and I don't blame these um, companies for not wanting to take risks because no, I, I can't either. It sounds like DVD sales made up a fantastic portion of movies oh. because you can almost guarantee, like, okay, if the movie costs a hundred million dollars to make, uh, we make a hundred in like fifteen off of box office sales, so net profit was only fifteen million. Well, okay, um, now we have the DVD coming out. Even if half of those people buy it, that's that's an extra what, like seventy million dollars or something like yep. that. It's like it's and it's, just it's like a lot of money for family, but still. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Even like a fifth of that, that's like an extra twenty million. Like you know, that's it's it's good money. And something tells me that Netflix and all these companies like don't have the same level of royalties uh, as yeah. like an individual DVD sale, like. Something tells me that Netflix isn't paying per view of royalties to these studios. They probably mm-hmm. pay a flat rate for how long they can have it on their platform or whatever, like through a contract. So even if somebody watches, let's say, uh, say Jurassic Park, the first one is on Netflix, right? Um, say it gets watched 100 million times, right? Right. Uh, like uh, Universal is probably not making any money off of like a hundred. Like it's only making like the twenty thousand dollars that it pay or Netflix paid to have it on their platform. It's not making any of the money of the hundred million views that it got. Now I could be wrong about that, but even Plus. if I'm wrong about that, the money from the royalties is probably not enough as much as like or as much as DVD sales from just views. Also, I don't know how royalties work when it comes to, like, television. So, like, if your movie plays, mm-hmm. do you get just, like, a flat rate? Or is it based on how many people actually watched the, like, TV yeah. showing of the movie? I wonder if we can Google this, like, oh, uh, do Google. movie studios make money? <laughs> how do you make it? And while you're doing that, I was reminded by the fact that before streaming, bro, we had just, like... A plethora of movie stores like good old blockbuster mm-hmm. which i will say as a 90s kid and like growing up in the 2000s and seeing the end of that age i would pay money to have like a date night that comprised of going to blockbuster now and picking <laughs> out dvds because that sounds incredible mm-hmm. also getting candy oh. also yeah like dvds i feel like are kind of um going away it does seem like i can't find anything like concrete from like super reliable um sources but it does seem like they just pay like licensing fees they doesn't seem like netflix pays out royalties Ooh, 
for like thickness. for viewers for, for like if you know somebody watches yeah, blonde a thousand right. times versus jurassic park uh, you know a hundred million times then the licensing fee is going to be the same right like, they, ain't, they ain't watching blonde a thousand times i'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned people next week next week um. <laughs> uh, but yeah no it's 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 crazy it's cra- i mean what like think about just in the last decade because i know we did and if you're listening to this right now you should go back and listen to our episode on our top pick movies mm-hmm. uh from the last decade and i'm trying to think i mean i put down into the spider-verse because i love that movie um and then i also put down like mad max which i guess is a continuation of the franchise but mm-hmm. it's a very one-off thing like i mean they i think they're planning on making another one with chris hemsworth um starring in that one uh, with uh oh my gosh why am i blanking on his name tom hardy there you go but um no i'm like really that, everything was just like a standoff yeah, standalone movie and i think it's just because there's something beautiful about films that you don't necessarily like get a cathartic ending for yeah. sometimes you need to leave things to mystery and that's the best way. So that, at that point as a viewer you can watch it and come up with your own conclusion whether you want it to be happy or sad or whatever works best for you and i think that helps to elevate movies like if you tell everybody everything it's not necessarily as entertaining yeah exactly i mean i i would agree i mean i think there's the beauty in like kind of having like a standalone story like it seems that everything these days needs to be like a sequel or like the next big franchise or whatever and also to kind of call back a little bit because i did want to make this point about like streaming services is that now most big studios are just making their own streaming service so they're completely losing out on licensing and dvds (laughs) and they're only relying on subscribers for their streaming platform which also probably costs a pretty penny to maintain because streaming video is expensive (laughs) (laughs) oh what is it (laughs) and it's crazier too because they were remember when um netflix first came out and they did all these studies about how people like to die you know consume their their entertainment and it was like oh people love to binge Mm -hmm. so that became a thing. They just drop whole seasons in a day. And now it's like, oh, we're going to wait week by week by week. And it's like, oh, wow, that's an original idea. I wonder where they got that one from. I mean, honestly, it's probably better for their model because then they keep people on their subscriber base for longer. Absolutely. And from a business perspective, that makes a lot of sense. Also, from like a cultural perspective, and this is something that I think unfortunately got lost to the wayside for a couple of years. Like when everybody is into something like a, like a Stranger Things or like another, I don't know, uh, The Boys. Mm-hmm. As you watch week by week, it's like every something everybody can jump on, and it's like it's a it's a whole community event. It's like a world yeah. event because I, I do like, like the it. weekly stuff. I like it a lot because it gives you time to also reflect on each and every episode more. Like you start Big thinking facts. about it every episode, and you start anticipating much, which is why I've been enjoying watching uh, House of the Dragon because it is a weekly uh, show, and we all, you know. You know, you can go on the forums, you can listen to podcasts talking about this week's episode, and it's just, it's a much more engaging thing, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie to you, I have not yet started House of the Dragon, Yeah. just because I plan on binging it. How many episodes have dropped uh, so far? Eight. And is it a ten, classic ten? Ten. Okay, we only got two more weeks, and I'll be uh, be up in there. You gotta watch the hot day. The hot day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man we can actually actually yeah absolutely we could totally discuss that when we can discuss on. i mean there's a lot to discuss i mean it is something that probably would be better suited if we reviewed episode by episode but 
Oh, because okay. it is just like it's there's just a lot going on. I mean, some people say it's like slow paced, but I disagree. That's my take. Oh, you think it's slow? Is it faster than you think than Game of Thrones? No, I think Game of Thrones kind of draws you in more or quickly, more quickly, I guess. Okay. Like Game of Thrones, like starts off very quickly with like a lot of um, stories moving quick, uh, you know, threads kicking off, and my camera's mm-hmm. on focusing, um, but. Um, I've been actually reading the books. I got them. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I got yeah. these. And uh, I, I'm on page uh, 88. And it just got to the end of the first episode. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So, so there's you're that. in for a little ride there. In for the little ride. There's definitely more added in the books if you can okay, I love surmise. The um, that makes sense. Makes sense. And things go down a little differently, but uh, it's fine. Like from I'm the sure first episode, ending. the first, uh, well, the ending to the series, you mean? Yeah. Well, he <laughs> hasn't finished writing the books. We're all still waiting for the Winds of Winter, George. Where is on, it, Georgie? Where hey, is Georgie? What's going on, guy? Hey, George, it's been it's been eleven years, George. <laughs> Dude, crazy thing is almost as long as uh, the last Avatar. So they're coming out with the new Avatar, George. They got on it, and they got yeah. to do a little bit more than you do. Yeah, come on. And James Cameron apparently wrote four more movies, so... Oh, wow. So they've been kind of uh, prolific. And come on, time. George. What have you been doing for the last 11 years? I know what he's been doing. Working on TV shows, writing other books in the universe of Game of, of A Song of Ice and Fire. So that's what he's been doing. He wrote Fire and Blood, then he wrote the... The, the Rogue Prince, all these are like take place within like the universe of Game of oh, Thrones. Wow, I didn't know that. And then I don't know. We're just like I just want I just want Winds of Winter, man. That's all I want. <laughs> one more, man. Just one more. <laughs> I want Winds of Winter, and then I want a dream for spring. Maybe it will always be a dream for spring. Maybe that's what he wants. <laughs> Not everything needs an ending. What did we just say? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I don't know. I just he can make an ambiguous ending, but like make it real. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not just by having chance. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I've been we're, we've been waiting, but I told myself I wasn't gonna read the books until the series was actually finished. But I've been watching Hot D, and I'm like, I need to read these books because i forgot how awesome the world is so yeah, yeah yeah and for those of you who aren't necessarily all hip with the lingo hot d is a uh, house of the dragon You've probably been scratching your head for the last couple minutes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh but uh getting back on to i was gonna here. say you took the words out of my mouth i was gonna <laughs> ask you the question though of the last decade name like what are some of your top movies uh last decade hmm um, trying to think here. <sighs> Call me by your name, I guess. That, that was in the twenty. Oh, sorry, last. Yeah, no, last. That was twenty tens. Oh, you're talking about twenty twenties. Twenty twenties, dude. Oh, oh, we're two years in. Well, I know we're stand downs for you. Paris. Uh, wait, now is that twenty nineteen? Twenty nineteen, brother. Oh my god. Um. Twenty twenty. I'm, I'm trying to remember what came out. Oh, everything everywhere all at once, which That's I know came out this pick. year. Yep, yep. Um, what came out this year, or even the last two years that like I really enjoyed? Uh, also, we have an everything everywhere all at once episode. Y'all need yeah, to check that. Knives out. out. I don't know what what what. But That's, knives out was also being made into a yeah, franchise. Twenty tens. Also true. Also true. Which. 
do you think that needs to be a franchise or do you like it better as a one-off movie um i do like it all i do like it better as a one-off movie i don't think you need to be a franchise could i do like one or two more like one more movie or two more movies depending on how the second one is um with like daniel craig reprising this role yes but do i think this needs to be like something that they're gonna release for the next like 10 like years no yeah <laughs> yeah it's actually funny you bring that because thinking about like legacy sequels do you remember oceans 8 like a couple years yeah, back with like the like, all female oceans 11 yes. basically yeah and I loved that. I absolutely love. Okay, I didn't watch it, but I loved the concept of it. But then I was thinking, like, shoot, like, why do they need to like ride the heels of like another franchise? Why can't they just start their own? Exactly. Like, deal? That was my problem with uh, the Ghostbusters thing, like the all female Ghostbusters. I'm like, why couldn't you just make the same concept, like all female Ghostbusters, but like doesn't have to be Ghostbusters? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was actually on my my notes for the day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's just. And then yeah. you just had the Ghostbusters Afterlife, but that was a whole nother deal. But no, I think that unfortunately what's happening is people, and there is some cachet to like a name. Like I'll certainly give that you know credit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like if you just try, if you experiment as a movie studio with something new, it doesn't need to be a franchise. It might just need to be a one-off thing. I think you can really strike, you know, hit the ball out of the park and just strike gold. Mm-hmm. I'm even thinking about like how often Hollywood recently has been bringing back like big movie hits from the 80s and 90s and turning them into franchises. Think about this. Uh, Harrison Ford was a massive 80s star who has reprised every role of the movies that he was like known for during that time. Star Wars reprised his role as Han Solo. Uh, Indiana Jones reprised his role as Indiana Jones. And he's also Chris reprised Solo. his role as Rick Deckard in uh, Blade Runner. Yep. Yep, and because yep, yep. they all come back into, you know, this last like 20, 15 years and they're like making more, I think. I feel like they're going to make another Indiana Jones. I think there's I an think Indiana Jones set to come out. five coming out. Uh, probably not another Blade Runner. That's OK. Um, yeah, I'm cool with it. Being I'm, I'm cool with it. I mean, it would be cool to see more stuff in that universe, but uh, yep. I don't think that's going to happen. And I mean, he's not. I mean, he's not doing Star Wars again. But uh, Star Wars is obviously like a like a huge franchise that rivals Marvel. Um, yes. So yes, it's it it's it's massive. And then they also did uh, Jurassic Park has come back yes. as a franchise. So with a vengeance. Yes. It's not Jurassic Park anymore. It's Jurassic World. Oh, I'm sorry, but they did make a Jurassic Park trilogy. Let us not forget the also terrible. True second and third movies <laughs> i look at i look you like the third movie i i second one they never show they just like they set the one on the that's a jeff goldblum one i actually think like i like the game. second one more than the third one get out of here bro <laughs> with the little baby t-rex <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i thought it was a oh much more gosh. interesting concept there like i mean i think it's based off one of the books i think there's books. a couple of books i mean the yeah, jurassic park are. was a book but i think there is an actual second book to Jurassic Park. I didn't know that. I I, I, I don't know. Maybe that. I'm wrong. Like <laughs> Google's been our friend today. Dude. I know. Is there oh multiple? Of these? Is this a series? Maybe not. I kind of hope it's not a series. Oh yeah, it is. The Lost World was a okay, second yeah, book. World. There you go. There you go. I mean, then he wrote another book called. Um, Jurassic World. Oh God, I don't know how to say this. 
Dilophosaurus. I don't know. I don't think they made a movie about that. D word. Okay. It's a dinosaur name, and it starts with a D. And I Not never heard of it. I did hear of The Lost World, though, which was the second movie I think it was based yep. on. But, um, yeah. Golly. But what thinking about there? throwback movies from the 80s that have made a resurgence, Top Gun Maverick. Yep. Now, was this a sequel you asked for, bud? No. <laughs> have you seen the movie? No. Nor have I. <laughs> Not to say anything. I've heard actually a lot of good things. I got a lot of good reviews. But it's just weird that, like... You know, like, sometimes you don't need to, like, re- like think about just hypothetically in a world where they went with the Top Gun Maverick, but they didn't do it everything everywhere all at once because they weren't sure. Like, mm-hmm. I know yeah. which one I'd personally prefer to watch. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's sad when you're seeing these incredible movies and also, the, like, opportunities for, you know, lesser known people. I know yep. that a lot of times, like, you know, indie movies, that's an opportunity for them to get a, a no-name person and give them the opportunity to shine. Yep. And so with like big box, they need a big name because they're putting in all this, you know, money. Uh, and unfortunately, I think that undermines not only just from a viewer perspective, but as as for persons in the industry, it, it affects them as well. Like, yeah, I I agree um, that like usually typically I mean, I feel like sometimes these like especially with the Star Wars shows, they have like some lesser name actors but they literally have Stellan Skarsgård and uh in Andor. So, they get they oh, have wow. pull. Yeah, they can get pull with like bigger actors. Marvel is just filled with like A-list celebrities like which A-list celebrity hasn't done a Marvel movie these days, you know? It's just like I hear they're trying to get Denzel to like join the fray. Of course. I I saw Leonardo DiCaprio which, you know, opinions may vary on who you are saying was telling timothy chalamet to not do marvel movies mm, interesting interesting mm-hmm. so you know that is fascinating and i will say as a as a marvel fan i do love i do love marvel i do love my i know it's controversial especially with you bud but i, I love me some marvel at the same time i think that um the pace early on with like a movie every you know year or it was, it was a it was quite a build-up from 2007 iron man to 2012 the avengers because they put i guess iron man captain america thor all in and then they had the movies so four mm-hmm. movies over the course of five years now they're chugging out like three movies a year with yeah. the tv show and it's just it's as a fan it's a lot to try and keep up with I know, and I feel like a lot of people growing up today, this is what they're going to think is, like, big movies. It's just, like, Marvel movies. Like, these are the high-budget, big blockbuster films, and, like, that's what they're only going to be exposed to. I feel like we're going to reach a point where somebody says, like, they're a movie fan, and the only movies they've ever watched are just Marvel movies. Mm, (laughs) Or at least 80% of the movies they watch are just Marvel movies. I was going to, yeah, if you want to be like a, a cinephile, you can certainly like expand the, like Marvel certainly has a place and I'll say I love it. Like whether I want to get like locked in on something or whether they just have like that comforting background noise full of explosions and, you know, quick uh, one off line, like one liners that just make me laugh. Mm-hmm. I'll certainly turn that on. But if I'm trying to hit a certain, a different part of my brain, I'll say, uh, maybe go for something a little bit more introspective if you will mm-hmm. so it's it's to your point i think it's important for those who are newer to the movie watching experience to just keep all of that in mind and just not let their i mean you can obviously your tastes are your tastes but kind of 
try everything and then start saying this is what this is and this is what that is before mm-hmm. trying to lump everything into one pile and yeah yeah and it's interesting because like for me i think if you're a kid growing up though like you don't start watching like the indie films right you start watching like what's like modern day and if like your only exposure is like these huge franchise movies you might like i don't know it might be hard for you to like watch like an indie film and enjoy it or something if like you're only used to kind of like the big explosions and all that stuff like i got into movies because i don't know we grew up in the 90s and early 2000s and like we got like the exposure before like franchising really took off like i watched things like uh you know jurassic park or um i can't even remember what i would watch the mummy hilariously um, <laughs> oh, you're talking about like the movies that they made into franchises? Well, yes, they made that show in I mean, that movie into an eventual franchise. But I would watch that when I was, you know, younger, not knowing that it had like uh, a second or third movie. But like these aren't like necessarily like artistic films or anything like mm-hmm. that. They're just yeah, yeah, yeah. they're fun movies that aren't. Well, now they're franchises, but um, hilariously. I was gonna say like, no, go for it. Sorry. I was just gonna say that, uh, but like you know, I. I I only started getting into more of like the indie films when I discovered how much of an interest I had in film because of these movies in particular and I wanted and like I think I would randomly get exposed to like uh or I wanted to know more about like you know oh what's the best picture what are people and that that got me into the door of like the world of like indie films and really got me like the more introspective uh side of it and never really went back and i kind of feel bad for people growing up today is like my point is because i don't know i just feel like that that their only exposure is just like marvel movies and like they can definitely still follow that path but i don't know it's just i feel like it's just a little different i don't know because even if like they try to escape it you still have all these tv shows and stuff and like there's just so much thrown at you and honestly the way like our society at least in the united states is evolving it's very much like, a, oh, have you seen the most recent Marvel movie, or mm-hmm. you know, which are you watching the Star Wars thing on uh, Disney Plus? Or a lot of times that's worked into everyday conversation, especially for kids. I mean, they're constantly, you know, watching all that stuff. So it's harder to escape it in that regard. And it's kind of like, not to say to fit in, I need to watch that, but it's definitely a huge talking point for for kids. I yeah. imagine. And it's like weird. It's just like it's such a shame that Hollywood doesn't like you know like to experiment with things. It's kind of incredible to me that like movies like Arrival got made that seemed yeah. like a decently high budget uh, that wasn't like uh, you know super action packed. It's kind of a uh, um, it's like character driven, but it's also like mystery and intrigue and like science fiction. So it it's it's. It's good. It's it's a good movie. I highly recommend it. Um, it's a great science fiction movie if you like science fiction. Uh, but uh, I don't know. For me, I feel like a lot of the risk these days is in TV. Mm, like television is doing like ground. It's like doing more interesting and like groundbreaking stuff. Like I feel like we're in a really good age of like television. Like we used to talk about like the golden age of TV and stuff. And I kind of think it is like there was maybe like a year or two where it like slightly dipped down. But I think we're kind of getting back. Like it's kind of up on the up again. Mm, like you know. Oh, go ahead. Question, are you talking about like live television or TV shows that are on streaming platforms? I guess both, you know, like okay, these okay. days I feel like they're kind of interchangeable. 
there's so mm-hmm. few television shows that I think are cable only that you can't find stream on like a streaming platform of some kind. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I can't even think of one. That's how few and rare it is. Like, uh, like Better Call Saul, maybe, but you're able to watch that on Apple TV. Um, oh, are you? Well, I think you have to buy it, but you can watch the episodes as they came out for season six. Um, okay. I think on Apple TV we were able to. Uh, I don't know uh, if someone had to buy the season or not because it was Bronwyn's parents' um, <laughs> account. So, uh, but like, I just think there's a lot of really interesting ideas. I was talking to you before we started recording about Severance. You know, that's a yeah. really unique and one of the more original ideas for a TV show that I've seen in a while, and it's really good. Or even shows like, um, I mean, Hot to D, uh, as we were talking Hot about, to like D. Hot to D. Uh, you know that's a it's really good uh, uh, show, which Game of Thrones is also hilariously becoming a franchise um, yeah. for uh, HBO. Everything's becoming a freaking franchise. Yeah, um, and uh, I mean, I'm watching Andor, which is a hilariously Star Wars franchise. You can't escape it no matter <laughs> where you go. Uh, but there's also like you know Mr. Robot that came out. There's um, Succession, which is a really good uh, TV yeah, show. Yeah. Uh, Ted Lasso. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Like, uh, there's just there's just a lot of really good TV. There's Rings of Power, Lord of the Rings. I understand. Also, another thing that's trying to break into the grounds of uh, franchising. A lot of p- pitches or bids to the estate of Tolkien to mm-hmm. get Lord of the Rings stuff out there. Um, so you, know, you can't escape it. But it, there's just there's a lot of good television, and like it's kind of like sad to see that like yeah movies aren't the place i go to to watch like really groundbreaking stuff like it's tv now mm. it's interesting now here's the question do you think that this will open up the opportunities for foreign films to kind of influence americans in that way i don't know because i feel like america's got such a huge grip on the television and film industry that like it's i think it's hard for like foreign films to really make groundbreaking international success. Like usually they can do domestic, right? It's I think it's so rare to have a parasite happen. Okay. I was gonna ask you about although like of late, like Minari, I guess that wasn't that was an American film though. Yeah. <sighs> Drive My Car was yeah. a Japanese film. Yeah. Oh man, but yeah, I guess to your point, that is that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I I just find that when I do watch those, especially like um like foreign language films, I usually find to have a lot of heart. And yeah, I, uh, I mean, they're always usually really good. Um, and it's just because I don't know. I I think it's like a cultural thing. Uh, I mean, I feel like the film industry is like there's like they're like pockets in other countries. I can't speak to you know, living in Germany and wondering like what original German films are like, or what original like J- Japanese films are like. Cause my only perspective is America. I haven't lived in these countries, but like the ones that get out in, um, of those, their countries are like usually their best foot forward. They're like really good, like films, indie, maybe like, I mean, one, like, I mean, Kim Jong or well, uh, not Kim Jong. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. Um, Parasite director. Um, oh, um, oh I couldn't gosh. remember his name. Um, Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, there you go. There you I go. I mean, he's done like some American films, 
and uh, which I find really interesting. He did Snowpiercer, which was like that's right with uh, Chris Evans. Yeah, which is a very American film, and like he's done other stuff in like Korea, but I don't know. I feel like it's really hard to kind of like tell um, because America and like England too have massive influence on the international film market. Yeah, the BAFTA. That's a big, big yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. Like, Good the goodness. most influence. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, goodness. that's, I don't know. And maybe it's just from our perspective, but I just, I feel like there's a lot of actors who come from other countries come to America to work in the film industry. Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Oh, man, it's kind of grim, grim sounding. But I guess the question becomes then, how do we, how do we break out of this pattern and how do we... Hmm. allow creativity and you know free thought to kind of return to movie making so that we can get more of those even if they are just one off some of those movies that kind of make us feel a little something at the end of the day i think eventually people are going to get sick and tired of watching star wars and marvel movies you think so i have to believe that otherwise i might go insane i mean i don't know (laughs) I, i I like Star Wars. I I do. I like the franchise. Um, I stopped getting excited for the movies, though, very quickly. I stopped getting excited for, like, every new TV show. I tried a couple. I didn't really get into any of them except for, like, Andor, which is interesting because I like Rogue One. So I'm just – it's a curious story. But even then, like – I still have to catch up on two episodes, and I'm not, like, rushing to watch them. Like, it's good, but it's not, like, the best thing I've, I've seen. Um, so I have to think eventually that, like, people will get sick of these shows, right, eventually. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe the narrative will shift, and people are going to be clamoring for something new. And yeah. at that point, like, I think Hollywood will, you know maybe give us something that they can now then turn into a new franchise. But what do you think? How do you think we get out of this? I'm a little bit more of an anarchist over here, bud. Uh, truthfully, I think we got to just undo all streaming. Like if you think about it from a money-making perspective, you'd make so much more if you didn't have everything readily available for everybody. I yeah. get that our society has evolved and now people want things that, you know, the tips of their fingers. But at the same time, like, dude, if we, made it an event to watch TV, if we limited the amount of exposure that we had, like it would become more of an event to actually go out and watch these things. Also to like buy and own them because they wouldn't just be so readily accessible. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could jumpstart tomorrow kind of all that money making, but will it happen? I highly doubt it. Yeah. I mean like the kind of the, the, the point is here is that streaming is kind of caused this in its own weird way that I don't think a lot of people realizes the 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 baseline here the t- or not the baseline the headline here is streaming took away dvd sales hollywood is not good playing risky anymore because they can't rely on that metric and yep. i just don't think streaming is going away i think the 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 ecosystem of streaming is going to change. Like we're seeing this happen. Like there's too many streaming services. Netflix is yeah. looking for other ways to make money. There's talks of commercials coming in. Hulu's already been doing it for years. Um, and it's just becoming cable eventually because these yep. guys are competing with each other to try to get you to subscribe to that specific platform. Right. It's literally just cable all over again. And now they're creating shows original to these streaming platforms platforms 
and um, that is just you know that that it's like cable. It's like having people watch HBO because they want to watch a show that's only on HBO. It's like I want to sign up for Apple TV because I want to watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, and that's what's yep. that's what streaming is becoming. And it's bad. I don't know. It's I think it's in a way it's like good for the consumer because competition creates better quality sto- shows. But we've talked a lot about how so Netflix is, just yeah. is terrible at that. Um, <laughs> they're just bad. Oh, um, but at the same time, like it's also kind of like hurting uh, movies in a way because yeah, um, very few like go to theater films are like going to be on these streaming platforms and when they're going to DVD they have to pick which streaming platform do we go to which is, and then like maybe we go to all of them but then but maybe somebody they get into like a bidding war and they're going to take the most money that they can because that's just how it works or better yet these movie studios that own their own streaming platforms are just going to have a franchise that's exclusively on their platform so you get into their flywheel and that's it so <laughs> Basically, if you want to stick it to the man, you should wait for all the seasons, like all the episodes in the season to drop, get the subscription, watch it, unsubscribe. Maybe <laughs> then they'll like, they'll learn to just I don't know. I up. feel like that might, I mean, like the long-term ramifications of that might be like, well, maybe that show that people, I don't know, maybe they just start taking away certain things because like, mm. maybe like, oh, we don't have enough money, so we're going to have to cancel this show or this, that, and play it even more safe with things that we know people will come and watch. But if they do that, do you think it would help to jumpstart everything else, like outside of streaming again? Well, no, because then I think if you start, like, say Netflix, you, you do that with shows on Netflix, and then they see that, oh, Stranger Things is a massive hit. We're going to just keep pumping out Stranger Things shows and spinoffs, and we're not going to take risks on anything else because that's what people subscribe for. And then, like, you have, like, streaming services might. And I, I don't think that really necessarily changes movies because streaming has fundamentally changed the way uh, DVD or like post theater works. And I don't mm. think that there's a way to go back. Oh boy, we're uh, in a bit of a situation here. Huh? We are in a bit of a situation, and like the only ways, like you got to just advocate eventually somehow. I don't know how to just like tell these studios, like, hey, I want to see something that isn't. Star Wars, Marvel, or um, Avatar, or whatever. So something new, something fresh that does not have a follow-up. Yeah, just get creative with it. There's got to be someone. Just like I don't know, all the money that these make off of uh, off a franchising, you got to think they have budget to make one or two films a year. That's just like super risky that they're willing to lose it all. Like, yeah. come on, come on, and like, you know. I just believe just do it. And honestly, I'd find that to be more entertaining as a uh, as a consumer. But like tell me that's the one that you're you're taking the risk on. Like yeah. that's I'll I'll help you out. I'll actually go and see what you I know. And like I feel like only like you know famous directors get like to have their fun with like creative movies and mm-hmm. like at that point you have to like prove your worth or some way and I don't know. I feel like it's harder for like up and coming directors to like prove themselves that they can make like a a tenant, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, I know we talked about it before the uh, episode started, but uh, Entourage, I mean, I learned so much more about the background of the industry from that. Mm. And it's just like, dude, one bad movie and you could be completely out. So it's just, it's hard, especially yeah. for someone who's trying to make a name for themselves. 
But like, if they are given that leniency, like, I mean, they can make something incredible. So I think that we have the only sometimes the only way you're going to achieve something is if you risk something. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's like there's so many I think sayings that I I, mean, I feel like Albert Einstein has said that you like you can't succeed unless you're willing to fail or something along those lines. Um, you risk a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I even think Will Smith once said that like the greatest joys in life are on the other side of fear. Yeah, um, yeah, so, fear is bliss, absolutely. Yeah, right. something like that. And uh, I don't know. I think these freaking rich Hollywood studio execs should, um, you know, use some of that Marvel money that generated billions of dollars last year and just be like, go to some director or some script that you know you like. That's like, hey, this is kind of mind-blowing like this could be huge like just throw 200 million dollars at it i don't care just do it just do it (laughs) and also i mean from an acting perspective too i would love to see like somebody i absolutely love i absolutely love jeremy renner that is my boy right there he's been been able to get up like tied up i know i'm like dude i mean think about the town great movie Mm -hmm. wind river great movie but he's been in a number of marvel movies like of late i know probably he's contractually obligated but like there's just so many people who are so talented. I'm not saying that they shouldn't spend their time always with Marvel, but I am saying like they could do the world a service by like allowing their talent to cover Robert uh, Downey Jr. A didn't space. Robert Downey Jr. didn't do anything else for like eight years. <laughs> like that guy was he also made seventy five million dollars apparently off of Endgame alone. So yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't know when Sherlock Holmes came out, but like I feel like that was the only movie that that guy did outside of Marvel films. He did do Doctor Doolittle after Endgame. If that yeah, but isn't matter. Endgame the last one he was in? Yes. Yeah, because yes. he he uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, he dies. <laughs> oh, dang, hope, hope the people uh, got off in time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. So I don't know. It's like because he now he's out. Now he's gonna be doing stuff. I'm sure, but. Uh, Maybe I don't know. Quiet of late. I mean, he did do little was... immediately, like after yes, yes, Endgame. I don't know. And then that was that was the last. I don't know that, that there are a lot of like really talented um, actors and actresses yeah. that are just tied up in these Marvel movies who just you know can't break free because they have these contractual obligations and they're filming like five of these a year hey, or I a TV show. Keep them coming or strong. They, or or the TV shows, you know. Was, or the TV shows, or the TV shows. Mm-hmm. Now, oh man! Now we're having a uh, Super Mario movie resurgence. Yeah, yeah with Chris Pratt, yeah. who uh, sounds exactly like Chris Pratt. Yeah. Oh, you're saying because he is Chris Pratt? Yeah, because he said he was going to do a voice that you've never heard of before in Mario, and it's literally just his, vo- his voice. So technically, we have not heard just a Brooklyn accent. So that is totally, totally cool. <laughs> Oh, I haven't watched the trailer. I'm like keeping myself away because I want to get my mind blown. No, like he said, like don't worry. Like people keep saying, like I'm a bad cast for Mario. I have a voice. Like I'm gonna do a thing. <laughs> I'll do the voice. I'll do the voice, fine. and then it just turns out it's just him doing his regular voice. So, but you know, sometimes they um like change things up in the trailer. Yeah, okay, like, I heard they did that with um, Ana de Armas in Blonde. Like, the trailer makes it sound like she still kind of has, like, her Cuban accent. And then, like, in the movie, she 
<laughs> sounds a little bit more like uh, Marilyn Monroe. You saw I've it. Never. Yeah, I've never heard Marilyn Monroe speak. So I I'm assume not... she. I don't even know where she's from. Honestly, oh, no. I know her. I know her. Under the Armas is from. I'm talking about Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Oh, Norma Jean. Where is Norma Jean? She's from, from L.A. Yeah, it's okay. It wasn't the movie. I should have. That goes to show you. I should have remembered. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, all right. Are we wrapping up here, Palmer? I think. Yeah, I think so. On that note, it's a little taste of what's to come. Yeah, a little taste of what's to come. So. All right, thank you so much for listening. This has been the What You Got Podcast, where your host, Charlie Bud, joined with me, as always, is the wonderful Jordan Palmer. Make sure to catch our podcast every Monday evening. I know we were gone for a bit. We were busy. Well, now we're Life. back. Life. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I just completely lost my you train of thought. follow us. Oh, yeah, follow us socials? on the social media. Yeah. <laughs> On Twitter, you. you can follow us at What You Got Cast, which is spelled W H A T C H A, or on Instagram at What You Got Podcast, which is spelled the same way. And yeah, follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts, and also let us know what you think about this whole topic on uh, the social medias. Next week, we're going to be reviewing Blonde, so get ready for that. The new movie starring Anna the Armas. It's a three-hour extravaganza. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's going to be something I hear. Um, so <laughs> well, we're going to be reviewing that next week's episode. So be prepared for that. And until next time, catch you all later. <laughs>